Welcome to the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nedling. You are about to discover impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you, so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Be sure you visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now tune in, get ready, and enjoy the journey of emerging as a leader of exception in the 21st century. Welcome everyone to the Find Your Leadership Confidence podcast. I'm your host, Vicki Nethling, coming to you from Roswell, Georgia. The goal of this podcast is to invite guests and topics that will empower you to become that confident leader and take your business and your life to the next level. Today, I have with me Steve Cloward, and let me tell you about Steve. So Steve has been married to his queen for 33 years. He's a father of four boys, one girl, and two granddaughters. Oh, lucky you. I have two grandsons. (laughs) Steve has been a successful entrepreneur for over 30 years, and he is a natural connector. At the age of 19, Steve was diagnosed with Crohn's disease and found himself addicted to opiates for the next 14 years. After getting sober in July of 2000, Steve continued to develop real estate and grow his real estate appraisal firm until one day in 2006. He was handed a federal indictment that would bring his world crashing down. After spending 14 months in federal prison, Steve struggled to find himself. His confidence was shot, and he felt like he had lost his identity. Steve knows the power of the mind and felt like he had lost everything, but he was going to find his positive mindset. Until Steve was able to rewire his mind, love himself again, he'd spend eight long hours trying to find his per- the person he thought he was built, the person who built a successful business, attracted people into his life to continue to improve his network and his worth. I thought today we would talk about mindset as the key to unlocking your life, given Steve's story. And really, mindset is so important to all of you in my audience. So please welcome Steve Cloward as we adventure through this discussion of mindset. Well, Steve, you had um, a, a very interesting background, right? Yeah, a little bit. I appreciate you having me on the show today. I always open with a simple question. Tell everybody where you um, live now. I live in Utah, just south of Salt Lake City in a city called Linden. Um, but, uh, it's right by Provo and Orem area, where I grew up my whole life was in Provo. Oh, Linden. So um, <clears throat> we, we went into your story, but do you know why you became an addict? I mean... Was it only the drugs or is there, you know, just something about there's always an past? underlying reason. Yeah, there's always an underlying reason. In fact, right. you're, you know, it doesn't matter your addiction, um, whether it's drugs, alcohol, porn, sex, exercise, you know, 
you're never going to be able to overcome it and get sober if you don't figure, at least long-term, in my opinion, if you don't figure out what the reason is. And there can be many, um, but mine, believe it or not, um, I didn't want to face and and really didn't see it clearly until I was sitting in prison. Um, and it's not a fun one or easy one to talk about, but <clears throat> if I'm being just honest, I got married on the rebound, frankly. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I used to double date and my wife was with my buddies. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was engaged to somebody else two different times. And, you know, that didn't end up working out. And uh, I ended up getting married a year and a half later. And, you know, we just kind of, it was interesting because we were obviously really good friends. I, I met my mm -hmm. wife in seventh grade. I mean, she was at a different school, but we met, you know, and then I would spend a lot of time at the high school where she went, you know, dating other gals and whatnot. And never really knew that she wanted to date me. And, um, <laughs> but then, you know, we became pretty good friends. I would talk to her yeah. a lot. And anyway, that's just how it came about. Mm -hmm. And then we were, and it was just strange because once we got married, you know, and I'm, I've got to take 90% of the blame, at least <laughs> we just, for whatever reason, weren't friends, but it was because I was hurting inside still. Yeah, you know, because of what I'd gone through and and had my heart, you know, torn out and basically and stomped on a couple times by yeah. the same gal. But you know, it's interesting because I believe very deeply I, that everything happens for a reason, and I know that I, I often joke about it. It's not really a joke, but in my addiction, I did things that would have put me in prison. I'll be honest. Mm -hmm. Um, the reason I went to prison had nothing to do with my addiction. Yeah. Uh, it was a big mortgage fraud case and I had an appraisal firm. And, but I needed that to happen because without being pulled out of life and stuck in that terrible environment to where you can quickly see things that otherwise you might know yeah. deep down, but you're not willing to, you know, you just take it for granted and continue on. Um and that's what happened. You know, yeah. you're sitting in prison and all of a sudden you have zero control of your life and you're used to always solving problems. And this was one that you could not solve. Yeah. And, and so when you're sitting there, you realize that, wait a minute, I actually do love her. I actually, you know, can see now that I was taking everything for granted. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's like the things that matter most are the easiest things. And oftentimes the things we do take for granted, Yeah, you know, for sure. and so, so that was, believe it or not, the underlying issue that was keeping me to try to stay numb and not face it and mm. whatnot. So, yeah. And, you know, I think a lot of the young people today are always looking for that thing to keep them numb. Oh, absolutely. Um, I work with the, the youth and that's one of the things, you know, it's like trying to shut all the, out, all the noise that's around them. Yeah. Yep. And we face you that. Know what, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I say we face that in a big way, you know, with all the craziness that's going on in the world. Yeah. A lot of people don't want to learn and, and try to see it. They just want to bury their heads in the sand and, and, you know, just ignore things. And I mean, I get it, but, you know, we, 
no one's coming to save us. We got to save ourselves. Yeah. Whether it's individually or otherwise. You know, you talked about the fact that um, your mortgage deal put you in prison and that gave you time to reflect and think because <laughs> what else you got to do, right? Yeah. But I, I also think that, um, you know, I look at COVID as sort of that blessing for a lot of people. Absolutely. They, um, life did stop you know you were taken you were taken out of the game yeah. and um it gave people a lot of time to reflect um and and maybe change their ways without having to go to prison <laughs> yeah no there's there's a lot of i've seen a lot of that happen because like you say yeah. you when you're pulled out and you you're stuck at home you know you you have to kind of think about things yeah. that maybe otherwise you ignore. And because I think, you know, the most important thing and what it takes to overcome anything is you got to be willing to look in the mirror and look inside, you yeah. know, and that's the hard thing to do. Yeah. Um, but when you're sitting in prison, you're forced whether you want to or not, it just happens, you know? Yeah. And, and really, you know, the, we do such damage, I think, to ourselves so much with the things that we say to ourselves yep. and um, and can be so down. And, you know, in that environment, you could have taken the negative. You could have thought less of yourself and angry and all those other things. Uh, how did you work through it i mean did you find god did you did you journal or you know whatever you can do how did you get from the bad space to where you are today that's a good question you know because i was when you when i got in there i was so depressed yeah. uh, because i knew how bad my wife and kids were struggling and i couldn't do anything about it that was very hard to deal with um, and frankly, I'll just be honest, I was playing a little bit of a victim, you know, cause just calling home and talking to my wife and, you know, if I was there for three weeks and finally talked to her and, you know, I'm sitting there being a victim and asked her, like, do you even care about us? You know? And her answer was, I don't have time to think about us. Yeah. And, you know, I look at how selfish I was in that moment. Mm -hmm. and real not realizing that she was the one really in a prison that was much worse in so many ways than what I yeah. was and you know so anyway dealing with that and then it took me a couple of months and I had to forgive the main guy in my case he was a long time well I say family friend because his father and my father were neither one had brothers my dad was a dentist his was an orthodontist his parents died in a plane crash in 1979 that my parents were wow. supposed to be on. They backed out the night before I was in fifth grade. I remember like it was yesterday. Oh my gosh. And so it was the youngest of three boys that was doing these double closes on these mortgages and my appraisal firm, some of my appraisers did some appraisals on the properties um, and they funded off of my guys, which meant they were the lowest because these were a million and a half to 2.5 million homes. Wow. And that's how this all came about. Um, it wasn't fraud on the appraisers weren't appraisals were not fraudulent, mm -hmm. um, but in a conspiracy to commit mortgage fraud, you know, they got to have all players. And, and of course they get the ones that they funded the loans off, not the ones that were inflated that 
that he was paying them 5,000 per appraisal for that we were only charging a thousand for a big jumbo wow. like that. Wow. So I was so bitter and angry at him because when his folks died, my dad sold his dad's practice and my dad was kind of like his father figure for many years. Wow. And so I thought, I didn't ever think it would get to the point it did where I would go to prison, honestly. Um, and so I had to forgive him and I had to own the fact that I still had control over doing business for him. Now, at first, I wouldn't have known what was going on because I didn't. But there was a time I figured it out and thought mm. something wasn't right. And fact, me and one of my certified appraisers wrote a letter, but we faxed it into the state. That's a huge mistake. You know, I should have gone and met with them or I should have sent it certified knowing that they got it because right. I was bringing up a lot of things that had that been the case, um, that would have mitigated and possibly got me out of it. But yeah. that didn't happen. And like I said, I believe everything happens for a reason because it wasn't supposed to happen. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, so it, I had to really just forgive him and because, you know, if, if I can't let go of that, it's not hurting him, it's hurting me. Right. And, you know, I've seen him a couple of times. I've been out of prison for 13 years um, and I've seen him a few times since and I don't have any bitter, hard feelings. It's not a big deal. You know, it is what it is. It doesn't mm -hmm. do any good to hold on to all that negativity. We talk about um, your, we talked about your mindset, but now your wife is sitting on the other side. I'm sure there were many things going on in her mind, embarrassment and anger and frustration, all those things. But you also had some kids, right? Oh, yeah. I got five kids. My oldest was a yeah. senior in high school when I, he was going into yeah. his career when I went in. So how do you help them get through you know, that? It's been interesting because there wasn't a lot I could do at the time or even when I was in there. Yeah. But I think they had a front row seat of what not to do in many ways. Yeah. Not regarding the, you know, the appraisals and what put me there, but for, through my addiction, um, because I got sober in 2000 and then, you know, it was set six years later until I got indicted. Um, and so I think, you know, they obviously, they turned out really good. I mean, I'm very grateful and blessed yeah, to be honest with you. Nice. There could have been a lot of, a lot of issues yeah. that would come up, but I know my oldest, like I said, he was going to his senior year of high school and he all of a sudden overnight became the man of the house in a way. Yeah. And, you know, so he, he stepped up and did the best he knew how at that age, obviously their mother's obviously really strong woman. Um, but it was tough for sure. And yeah. it was tough for many years after, you know, even though she didn't feel like, you know, she felt like I didn't do anything that I deserved to be there. Mm -hmm. um, based on why I was there anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, so she didn't really have that issue, but it, it related to all the triggers to the addiction, Yeah, you know I mean? right. even though they weren't technically tied together, it still brought that to the surface for her. And so it took many years after I got home, you know, to get things back on track. Um, I mean, yeah, you got to rebuild separated. every relationships yeah, with absolutely. each of them. Yep. Yeah. It just takes time. So once you got out, it's been 13 years, how did you reclaim your life and, and rebuild 
I mean, and, and get that self-confidence to know that you could do it. And that was the hardest part. It was eight years I wasted, um, you know, whether it was through masterminds or coaches or courses, you name it. I spent a lot of money. And but the reason there's nothing wrong with that stuff. I believe in having coaches to this day and do. But um, the problem was I was thinking there was going to be some magic pill that was going to change things for me. And, you know, when you've had a lot of success, you know what it feels like, you know what it looks like, you know the kind of lifestyle you can have, you know, and all of a sudden now I can't on spring break take my family anywhere when their friends are going somewhere and just things like that. And, you know, so I just really struggled for a long time. Um, And part of it was I didn't know what I wanted to do, but Mm. even once I decided that about five years after I was out, I didn't have the confidence to go for it. And, you know, by accident, I got into um, sales. Well, that's not true. So we're all in sales, really. Yeah, we are. (laughs) Well, everything down. Uh, But telco sales, so satellite TV and internet, Mm -hmm. excuse me, and home security. Um, And I had a buddy a couple of years after I had been doing that, asked me why I wasn't doing my own business in that, you know, in that industry. And so I did. But I never loved it, you know, and so I was doing it 100% just to make a living. Right, and pay the bills. Yeah, and I was able to, and it did well many times. I still have a business in that um, niche, but I have other things that I enjoy much more, but that's been good, and it employs my boys and some other people that I know, mm-hmm. and so it's, it's good. But really what happened was because I lacked the confidence you know, there was one group of guys I was involved with in a group coaching situation for a year. And one of the things that uh, we talked about one day was what was called a conscious self-creation statement, mm-hmm. which is like your I am statements. I have, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and and I had bought into the secret, you know, whatever that was, 25, whatever years ago or so. Mm-hmm. And But there's a big difference between having your vision board and those kind of things versus literally feeling what your life would be if you had the life that you intentionally wanted to create. Exactly. And so I sat down and I mapped out, you know, this conscious self-creation statement, memorized it after several days. And I would just automatically say it every morning, just really when I walked into shower, just boom, I would just start to say it. You know, they say if you read it, write it, see it, and hear it, that's the most powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was hearing it and saying it. Um, and as crazy as it is to maybe people that are listening that haven't experienced that, as far as intentionally creating your life, whatever it is, mm-hmm. and we're not talking just business and finance, I'm talking everything in life, relationships, you know, spirituality, whatever, health. Um, I had accomplished all of it, but two things two years later. And yeah. I didn't, I didn't have to focus on how I was going to do exactly. it. That's where we get messed up. If you just have to map out, visualize, and be intentional of what it is that you want, believe you already have it and how it comes about will just manifest itself. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, really live in the present. Yeah. Yeah. We haven't, right. we don't have tomorrow, man. We don't have an hour that's from now, right and we can't worry about yesterday it's exactly 
And that was a big problem for me. I was, yeah. I was doing that. In fact, I remember doing a, a walk and talk is what it was called at one of the masterminds. And, mm-hmm. and one of the guys that I was walking talking with, he said, why do you say that? And what he was referring to was I said, well, before I went to prison. And so I was always relating before prison versus now, because yeah. before prison, I was looking at myself with the confidence I had, the success I had, the network I had, you know, things yeah. I was involved in the community, et cetera. And so I was really, like you said early in, in the podcast, words and the things we say, not only subconsciously, but yeah. words have massive impact, Yes, they do. massive power. And we have to be very careful what we say um, because that's, believe it or not, that's how it works. Mm-hmm. So what keeps in, uh, in getting in the way with the future whenever you have those things that, you know, it, say, say we didn't create that, that movie of our life as, it, as we see it should be or could be is i guess if you keep it yeah. in the present but what keeps on getting in the way is is it those self-doubts or yeah it can be so of, many different things you know yeah in my case it was the lack of confidence and i was letting the past i was holding on to the past and not letting go so that i could focus on here and now yeah. and what i wanted to create for my future because if we don't decide what we want then we'll anything will do. Mm. And, you know, so many, and I'm guilty of this, I'm not putting anybody down, but it's so easy to get caught up in what, you know, I just call it the rat race of just going to work, doing your thing, mm-hmm. going home at night. Often we're tired. Don't do a whole lot, you know, eat dinner, maybe watch some TV, sit around on your phone. Maybe right. if you expect things to get different doing that, they're not going to, yeah. you know, we get, you know, based on the people we hang around, that affects just, the lives yeah, we have. I was ask that. People we hang around most, and then also the things that we're exposing ourselves to and thinking about. Um, I can't remember if it was Del Carnegie. I can't remember who said it, but the things we think about come about. Yeah. You know, there's people in my community, and one in particular who created a Vivint Smart Home. Some people may know of that. It's a, not as big as an ADT by any means, but um, I used to do appraisals for his company, Apex mm-hmm. Mortgage. And we used to call him the golden boy back then. <laughs> well, he then created Apex Pest Control and then Apex Alarms and then shipped it to Vivint Alarms um, and ended up selling for, I think, $4 billion, I believe it was. Oh, my goodness. And, you know, he wasn't the golden boy because he was smarter than anyone. He got the success and continued to win. And sure, he had losses, but we don't see them typically. That's but exactly it's right. because of the people he was around the people he put in place in his companies. That's really the key. And the fact that he had the confidence and the belief to go after it. Yeah. You know, I think that's so important. Whenever I was younger, I came from, you know, simple background and um, my mom didn't work until I was a senior or a sophomore, Uh I guess. Um, So my dad worked three jobs and I in my first year of my freshman year of the Catholic school that I went to, I met a person who was in a different lifestyle and class that I was. And yeah. we became best friends, but she exposed me to a life of what could be. Yeah. And 
from that point on, I always gravitated to people who had something more so that I could, I always imagined that I could be there. I could, you know, I didn't go to college till I was 47, but I always knew I could be something. And, um, and I, I think the people that you surround yourself with do have such an impact for what you become. And well, sometimes same. it's a hard decision to walk away from people that are keeping you from your greatness. It's very difficult, but yeah, you just have to decide what it is you want. Cause yeah. you know, so many people, it's that energy, that negative energy. If you stay around it, it's just going to continue to suck you down. And you know, yeah. you're going to, no matter what you're doing, that's going to affect you the opposite way. So you're just going to probably stay neutral. <laughs> right. Right. It's just, it's just the truth. And, um, and I think the example that you set, you know, for your kids and for your um, friends is really important. Um, as I mentioned earlier, that the kids today, that everything is moving so fast, you know, technology changes constantly. Mm-hmm. They're, um, they had two years or two and a half years where their interpersonal skills were somewhat non-existent. Yeah. And, and we have social media feeding them with all of what life should be, but not necessarily um, reality. And so um, it's really important that we do keep that positive mindset somehow and surround us with people who have similar beliefs and mindset. Absolutely. So it's time for a rapid fire question. How did you rewire your mind? (laughs) literally with that conscious self-creation statement, you know, we don't understand the power of the subconscious, you know, it's there speaking to us all day, every day, about 60, 70,000, you know, words a day. And Mm -hmm. it thinks it's there to protect us, which that's what it's doing, but it's also has the ability, if you're not aware of it, to hold you back. Yeah. You know, and, and I think it's important to ask this question too. And most, many people know this, but, you know, life evolves, we should continually change. So that picture that you had 13 years ago, or that mantra that you have, how has that changed? You know, it's it's always evolving, you know, Um, because I think if we're not continuing to learn and grow, you know, unfortunately, I watched my father and he was a very successful dentist and entrepreneur and real estate developer. But he retired at 62 and he didn't really, you know, when he was a dentist, real estate was his hobby, believe it or not. Yeah. Um, even though it's not a hobby, but that to him, it was mm-hmm. had nothing really to keep him stimulated or going. And I saw how fast he deteriorated. So yeah. if we're not staying engaged, um, you're going to, I mean, if you're not living, you're dying, I guess is the best way to say it. So as I looked back and saw, okay, now, I've gotten to this place based on these goals I had and these things that I wanted to create in my life. Then you just reset and do it again, you know? So yeah. every yeah. year I look back at it and then decide if I should redo it, Trick it. Yeah. or not, you know? So. Yeah. And that's really um, wise about the, so many people think, well, I'm, I'm just going to retire. And, you know, for me, I, knew so many people in the corporations that I worked with with they retired and they were gone in uh, less than oh, a yeah. year. It's sad. And and so I just know how 
stimulation and and really I, I was on an earlier podcast talking about technology and to me what's happening now with technology is so exciting that it makes me want to stay involved yeah and um you know sure i could sit back and watch tv but nope yeah <laughs> not That's for me and staying involved doesn't even mean you have to go out and have a job no. or make a living you know it could be find what you're passionate about and serve people you know in whatever yeah. capacity it's just exactly. keeping at, just staying active is the key all right so you're 33 years i'm at 44 well congrats um so for you what's keeping that marriage fresh now you know it's like I always say, you know, if you want something to grow, you better water it. And so, yeah. <laughs> you know, as I look back on that too, and and this isn't saying what I used to say for the same reasons, different, but my marriage until I went to prison versus the insights and clarity I got by going there to what it was going to take to create the marriage oh. that I wanted, mm -hmm. you know, I realized that, hey, I was as bigger bigger problem in so many ways and so you know you have to step in your power and first of all i like the best thing i say about relationships whether it's marriages you know significant others or business relationships i don't live in expectations anymore i live in agreements so yeah. i was living in my marriage really until about six years ago in expectations and that's so easy to get frustrated because yeah. you think someone should know what you're thinking and that's impossible, you yeah, know? Yeah. And so if not, you're not going to talk about Especially if you're it, a guy and a girl. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes, no doubt. So, you know, just talking about things of what we both want, what we need, what we, you know, what we expect, but it, you can do it and have an expectation that way if you talk about it, but expecting it without ever voicing it, then you're just yeah. setting yourself up for frustrations, you know, and that's- yeah. You can't afford to have those cancers growing in a relationship. And in any relationship, spousal or partners, um, don't always have to be right. Yeah, that's right. Amen. You have to be willing mm -hmm. to say, I'm sorry, and have yeah. to be willing to say, I'm <laughs> screwed up big time here. Let's yep. just figure out how to not do that again. <laughs> Amen. It's been so great talking with you. I'm going to share the screen now. So if anybody is listening, uh, you want to grab a paper and pencil to uh, or pen to take down Steve's website information. If you are watching, you can go ahead and grab a screenshot. All this information will be on the findyourleadershipconfidence.com website or on my YouTube channel, Vicki Netling. So the website is https colon forward slash forward slash life after addiction and indictment.com. Again, life after addiction and indictment.com. On Facebook, you can go to Life After Addiction and Indictment. LinkedIn, you can go to Steve Cloward. Uh, Instagram is SW Cloward. YouTube is at Steve Cloward. And Twitter is Steve underscore Cloward. I'm going to let Steve talk to you about uh, what you can find when you visit his website. Yeah, you can go out of the website and there'll be a link where you can grab a, you know, my free ebook that is, or you can just go to mindsetisthekey.net if you want. Um, and just drop your information in and you'll get sent an ebook about mindset and a lot of the things Perfect. that will really help you out. Any new books on the horizon for you? You know, I'm in the process of 
writing it right now, but excellent. Just barely started three weeks ago, so don't even know the title yet or anything. But it's a year-long process with the group I'm working with, so we'll see. Come, I guess, the end of 2024. That's right. So we'll have to have you back to talk about that new book when you're getting ready to launch it. That'd be great. All right. Well, thank you so much. I enjoyed very much talking about mindset and um, your story. And uh, thank you for being so vulnerable and being open and authentic about everything. I I think to reach people, you really have to to just put it all out there and be yourself. And that's when it will be a connection. So thanks so much for being a great guest. Well, thank you. I appreciate you having me. Thanks so much. And as always, I remind everyone, life is a journey and it's up to you to enjoy the ride, no matter where it takes you, right? So this is Vicki Nettling signing off. Thank you for tuning into the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nettling, where we share impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Remember to visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast.